0: listening to sermons from South Point Locust Grove, where we are equipping the family of God for the mission of God, to see everyone around us transformed by the gospel of Jesus. For more information, please visit southpoint.org. Bibles to John 14 this morning. Um, I want to just look at uh, some things that Jesus said and some things that were said to Jesus. But before we um, look at that, uh, I just want to give you my main thought this morning. We were created by God to be with God and each other. We were created by God to be with God and to be with each other. We were created for relationship we can see that in uh, redemptive history. We can see it in creation. We can see it in Genesis two eighteen. Even before there was sin, it is not good for man to be alone, and God created Eve to be with Adam. and 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 we see the the verse we hear at weddings so often: "For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they two become one flesh." and uh, they were naked and unashamed. And so we see this beautiful relationship where these two people are inseparable and they are together. And this is a picture according to Ephesians 5 of our relationship with God and the relationship of Christ and his church. This togetherness, this witness, this dwelling together. Even in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 7, scripture tells men to, to dwell with their wives. And this is the relationship component. That's what we were created for. We were created by God to be with God and each other. We were created for relationship. The thing that was broken in the fall, so we go from creation to fall as we look at redemptive history. The thing that was broken in the fall in uh, our parents' rebellion against God and their desire to dethrone God and they themselves be God, them wanting to manage themselves in their own sin, what was broken was their relationship. God comes in Genesis 3.8 in the cool of the day and they hid themselves from the presence of God. So this witness now is broken. And when you go to Genesis 3.23, you understand that God doesn't want them getting to the tree of life unless they eat of it and live forever. And so they're banished from the garden and they're banished from the presence of God. And so there is this massive wedge between the creator and those that he has created. And John 1 says, he came into his own and his own received him not. There was this massive brokenness in this relationship. But in redemption, we see the, the glory of John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And we also know that this word was life and this word was the light of men. And this light comes into darkness and darkness can't snuff out that light. John 1 and then the beauty of John 1:14, when he says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In other words, we were, we were dwelling in creation. That dwelling or that relationship was broken in the fall, but that relationship can be restored in Christ because he has come to show us the Father. We were created by God to be with God and each other. And even when we go to the end of of redemptive history, as we understand in Revelation chapter 1, verse 23. It is God who is coming, Jesus Christ is coming to be among his people. And the word that used there is the word dwell, Revelation 21, 3. So we're with him in the garden. The fall messes it all up and we're separated from him. Jesus Christ comes, and if we rest in his finished work, we are restored to that relationship. And when all of this thing called time winds up and Jesus is ultimately victorious, when we are in heaven, Jesus Christ is going to be the centerpiece of heaven. And the centerpiece of Jesus Christ being in heaven is our relationship with him. He is going to dwell. The word dwell means to tabernacle. It means to visit. It means to stay. It means to shadow, to cover. It means connection, it means protection, it means possession, it means provision. In other words, when there is this concept of dwelling or relational connectedness, there is oneness, there is a belongingness. When we talk about being in a relationship with Jesus Christ, we're talking about being in a valued, cherished relationship where we are loved and desired and cared for and safe and secure and close and connected and intimate and that's, that's not based on our performance. Please grasp that this morning on Christmas morning. It's based on his finished work and his love that he has set upon us. I love Psalm 23, 6, just trying to pull in the thought of dwelling or being together or relating. When the psalmist closes out the 23rd Psalm, which is about the shepherd, he says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever to sit in the house of the Lord forever. Just sitting there, I'm not sweeping, I'm not washing windows, I'm not cooking food. The Lord is there in his house and I'm dwelling in the house with him. We're just together. We're just together. Even Paul in Philippians 1.23, in talking about staying or going or living or dying, he said to depart and be with Christ relationally is far better. So, so I say all of that to, in going through redemptive history, creation, fall, redemption, consummation. I do all of that to, to help us understand that the story of Scripture is this, that we were created by God to be with God and each other. But I want to use that as a backdrop for looking at John chapter 14. If you know the story of John chapter 14, let me read it for you. Jesus has been with these guys, these twelve guys, for uh, pretty near three years, and his time with them is coming to an end. And he begins to tell them, "I'm leaving." John 14:1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you? If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Again, we see this togetherness, this dwelling, this relationship. Don't miss that. And you know the way where I am going. That's a statement. That's a certainty. There was no doubt about it. Jesus is looking at these 12 guys that he's living. He's saying, you know the way where I'm going. Thomas, thank God for Thomas. <laughs> I'm more like Thomas than I am those folks with certainty. I have doubts. I have concerns. I try to add it all up. Sometimes in my brain, it doesn't add up. I try to make sense of it. it. And Thomas was trying to make sense of it. He said, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Here's what's happening. The disciples literally were with God. These 12 guys were having an Edenic, uh, I don't know if that's a word or not, but it sure does sound smart, you know. It was like they were in Eden in some respects. They were with God. You say, whoa, whoa, they're they're with Jesus. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. They were with God literally and this had to be the absolute most beautiful experience that they had ever had in this world not only were they literally with God with Jesus Christ this is what they were created for and while they are with him they are experiencing a foretaste of divine glory and Jesus all of a sudden now in John 14 one says guys I'm leaving And they could not bear the thought, imagine life without a relationship with Jesus Christ. This news that Jesus has shared is gut-wrenching. It is distressing. It is deafening. He said, I'm leaving. They heard nothing else. He said, I don't believe. They could not stand the thought of it. I am leaving. I am not going to be with you. Remember, we were created to be with you. We were created by God to be with God and to be with each other. We were created for relationship, and now the one that we're in relationship with is leaving. I'm going to prepare a place for you to be with me. I will come back to get you. I promise to take you to be with me. We will be together forever because where I am, there you will be also. Now, if it was you and me in American Christianity, we'd be like, that's cool, Jesus. You take off but leave the fish and loaves recipe if you don't mind, right? Or or leave us the meteorological principles for stopping a hurricane in its tracks or calming the wind on the sea. Uh, We're not worried about you leaving, but just help us have some power to make our lives better. Lord, show us how to heal. Let the mantle of Jesus fall on us like the mantle of Elijah fell on Elisha so we can just do great things. They weren't saying any of that. They had seen Jesus do everything, and the the thing that they were the most concerned about was not being with Jesus, not the things that Jesus had done. They just wanted to be with him, and the thought of being without him completely disrupted and destroyed their world, because we were created by God to be with God and each other And you can put a period at the end of that sentence. You can drop the mic right there. This is enough. And quite frankly, that's all there is. And it doesn't get any better. We need to understand that. We are not with Jesus to do great things. We are not with Jesus to be important and successful and powerful. We are not with Jesus to heal the sick or to raise the dead or get answers to prayer. We are not with Jesus to hit home runs or to make three-pointers or to make touchdown passes or to win Super Bowls or to win World Series or to win national championships. That's not why we are with Jesus. We are not with Jesus to make life fun or comfortable or easy. The point, the apex, the crowning achievement of our existence in the way that we were created is to be with Jesus Christ, we were created by God to be with God and each other. We were created for relationship, but we are broken. We are fallen. We are sinners, and we cannot have a relationship with God because of our sin, and Jesus Christ came to be the way out of our sin and into relationship with God the Father. Jesus Christ suffered the just jesus christ was just we every one of us is the unjust that he might bring us to god and so the disciples in their distress and in their confusion and in their dissonance no matter how gently or skillfully jesus presented it all they heard was i am leaving Jesus is probably just like, hold on, guys. Calm down. I don't know if Jesus shushed people, but he might have been shushing them here because these 12 guys were probably just making all kinds of commotion and, and chaos and distress and upset, and some of them were probably crying. Jesus said, I'm leaving. They're upset. And then he makes this profound statement. He says, you know the way where I am going, okay? Okay? You know the way where I'm going, all right? So would you please calm down, okay? This is not a problem. Y'all are overreacting. And then Thomas says, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Thomas wanted longitude and latitude. Thomas wanted an address to put into the GPS, Thomas wanted uh, an address to put into uh, MapQuest. Does anybody use MapQuest anymore? But Thomas is like, we need a physical address and we need some clear answers because there's just something that's really ambiguous about being in a relationship. There's just something that's really ambiguous about being in a relationship. There's a lot of uncertainty when it comes to relationships. There's a lot of lack of control and I don't always determine outcomes and I don't trust people, right? We don't trust, don't trust anybody except yourself and the things that you can control. And so Thomas is like, we don't know the way, how can we be certain this is a problem? We don't know where you're going, how can we know the way? So bold, so honest, so transparent, so vulnerable, so distraught, Not unlike the rich young ruler, the rich young ruler had the answers. Yes, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. Thomas wanted a list. Lord, if if I'm going to go with you, tell me how moral I have to be. By the way, there's nothing wrong with morality. Morality is good. Please don't ever, ever hear us taking grace and morality and making them enemies of each other. But morality will not save you. A doctrinal list, I love doctrine. Doctrine's good. Don't ever hear me saying that somehow doctrine is in conflict with the gospel. It is not. We need good, sound doctrine. But you can follow all the doctrinal lists and not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He wanted a list of works, and that's what a good Jew would want. He wanted a performance list, or maybe he wanted a ritual list, and we are... Uh, are very ritual people. Maybe they were using the wrong elements at the Passover. Maybe he wanted to know the list of elements to use at the Passover. Or maybe maybe they were calling it the wrong thing. Maybe it was communion. Maybe it was the Eucharist. Maybe it was the Lord's table. Maybe it was all wrong. Who knows? Tell me what to call it. Tell me, do I need unleavened bread? Do I need to get the thing off the back table? Or can I take this bread from Ingalls and dip it in juice? Is that okay? Give me a list. Am I baptized in the right way? Do you baptize forward? Do you baptize backward? What if the crown of their head doesn't go underneath the water? What if, you, what if, what if they get sprinkled? We've got to get it right. Give me a list, Thomas is saying. Tell me what I need to do so that I can be sure that I am in Give me a denominational list because some denominations are better than others. Give me a personality list so that I can make sure I'm following the right people. Give me a movement list so that I can know that I'm part of the right movement. The truth of the matter is there's not a list. There's not a list. There's nothing that you can do to ensure to have some confidence and some certainty about yourself. There's nothing you can do. All you can do is be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only way to heaven. That's the only way to heaven is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so Jesus responds and tells Thomas, he says, you know the way because you know me because I am the way. And if you know me, you know the way. The way is a relationship. The key to life, the key to eternal life, is being in an intimate, personal, connected, protected, valued, cherished, nourishing, enjoyable, joy-filled relationship with Jesus Christ. It's captured in a song and Maybe you like the song. Maybe you don't like the song. Maybe you got a million reasons why this song shouldn't be sung. But there's some parts of it that sound really good and make us feel really warm on the inside. He walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there. And I forget the rest of the words. Do you know what I'm saying? He's talking about a relationship. A relationship. I kind of liken it to when me and my wife started dating. Indulge me for a moment. Let me just tell you about that. Um, We started dating in November of 1979. Most of you were not born then. And it didn't take me but just a few hours to know that I was in love with her and she was the woman that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. Um, It was... um, we went on a couple of dates, and then I just wanted to be with her. I loved being with her, and I know that she loved being with me. We could sit for hours with unspoken words and unbroken stares in the library where we were supposed to be studying while we were in college, and we were just exhilarated with an occasional brush of our shoes together for a second. We, we just loved being Together, I didn't have any money. If she had any money, she hadn't told me yet, and it's 42 years later. I had a 67 Camaro with a custom rust job. I mean, not a, not a 67 Camaro, 67 El Camino. And if you know anything about a 67 El Camino, the back windows had this, this dip down and up, and that was your back glass, and the water sat there, and it drained down, and it got in the floorboard. And so when I'm driving down the road in my 67 El Camino, I could see the ground. Literally, I'm not lying to you. The seats were torn all up, and I'm telling you, the first time I went and picked her up to take her home to meet her parents, she acted like I was driving a Lamborghini because she just wanted to be with me. All that mattered is that we were together. We loved being together. That was November of 1979. We got married August the 30th, 1980. It was a simple wedding, no frills, a ton of thrills. We didn't have a pot to cook in. threw so you curveball there, didn't I? We didn't have a bed to sleep on. We didn't have a roof over our head. We had to open envelopes when we got to the motel that we stayed in, the Ramada Inn, the first night to make sure we could stay a second night because people gave us a little cash money in the envelopes as a wedding gift. Our first meal as a, wed- as a married couple Was Kentucky fried chicken. And it didn't matter to us because we just enjoyed being together. We just enjoyed being with each other. I didn't have a job, I hadn't finished college, we didn't have a plan. Being together was enough. Now, after we get married and we get over just being together, being enough, then we start saying, well, I got to have this, and I got to have this, and I got to do this, and we got kids, and the kids have to do this, and the kids have to do this, and the kids have to do this. And before long, we find ourselves doing a long list of things, and there is no relationship left to it. When just being together is as good as it gets. There's nothing that you can have. There's nothing that you can accumulate. There's nothing that you can do. One of the coolest things about being a missionary in Africa was when we would just go hang out with other missionaries. And the, the cool thing about it was, here we are in this foreign country, not understanding the world that we live in, not understanding the culture that we live in, but finally sitting down with some people that we understand one another's culture and one another's lives. So and we just sat there, and it's like there wasn't a clock, and we'd sit there and drink coffee, and I'd go get some sugar out of the sugar cup, and there'd be ants in the sugar cup. That's what happens when you're in Kampala, Uganda. And we didn't care. We were just together. And we're just mixing the, the, the coffee and the sugar and the ants all together, and it tasted good. Not a problem. We were together. We didn't have an agenda. We were just together and enjoyed being together. And folks, I want to tell you, Jesus Christ left heaven and came to earth to be with us, to be in a relationship with us. You want to see a picture into what that relationship is supposed to look like? You can go to John chapter 17, and Jesus is talking to the Father, and he's giving us a picture into what it's like for the Father and the Son and the Spirit to relate to one another. And he talks about them being one, kind of like Genesis 2.24. And for this call shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they too, they too shall become one flesh. Father, I pray for these that they will be one with me just like you and I are one with each other and that they will be one with each other just like you and I are one with each other and I am one with them. And Father, I pray that there would be this love between them like there is this love between us. I want them to relate like we relate and the point of the relationship is not all the stuff that we do or all the things that we accomplish, but the point of the relationship is being in the relationship. And the point of the relationship is being with Jesus. That's the point of Christmas. Jesus said, I am the way. And if you know Jesus Christ, you know the way. Are there other things that are, that are important? Yes, but none is as important as knowing him. And so I want to ask you this morning, do you know Jesus Christ? He has come to dwell. He has come to tabernacle. He has come to shadow you. He has come to bring you to himself. He has come to be one with you. He has come to love you. He has come so that you could find joy and purpose and hope in him and him alone. I'm not asking you, do you go to church? I'm not asking you, can you answer uh, the questions from the catechism? I'm asking you, do you have a relationship with If you do not, you are dead in your trespasses and sins. But thank God for Ephesians chapter 2, where it is he that has quickened us or made us alive who were dead in our trespasses and sins. And there is no other way to be alive than to have him breathe his life into your nostrils and for him to make you alive. There is no other way for you to see light than for you to be in the light that he is for us. And so I challenge you on this Christmas morning, if you have never surrendered to him, I beg you this morning, I beg you, there is no other relationship that you will find hope and peace and joy and purpose and love in other than a relationship with Jesus Christ. The word became flesh and dwelled among us. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Life is found in Christ alone. This Christmas morning, if you don't believe in him and if you're not trusting him and you're not relating to him, I didn't ask if you were a church member. I didn't ask if you've been baptized. I didn't ask you anything about your religion. All I'm talking about is a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't know him, Call upon him this morning and surrender your life to him. The greatest relationship that you could ever have awaits if you'll come to him by faith today. You know, the, the elements that we have here, we've said it before, there's nothing magical about them. They represent, they represent the gospel. They represent the death, the burial, the resurrection, the life of Jesus Christ. They should remind us of what he has done for us so that we can be in relationship with him. But they should also remind us that we live in a world that's broken and fallen that doesn't know Christ. And quite frankly, this world is is an anti-Christian world. And we are waiting for him to come back. And that's what he said. He said, you do this in remembrance of me, You as believers partake of this to remember what I've done, but you as believers partake of this to live in anticipation of me coming back. And when I come back, we're going to sit down around the table and we're going to enjoy a meal together, a beautiful meal together and celebrate the relationship that we have with him. This is just a snapshot of that. If you know Christ, And you can reflect back on what he's done. And that is where your faith rests in his finished work and in your relationship with him. And you you can look forward to beyond all that's going on in this world. You can look forward to the fact that he's coming back here on this Christmas day. Then I invite you to come. Just still your heart. Uh, Don't be talking to folks around you. Don't be distracted. Try to be focused. Try to be solemn. Try to let joy just flow from your heart as you think not about a list or boxes that you have to check, but a relationship that he has invited you into, that he holds secure, he is covering you, he is tabernacling. Rest in that security and celebrate that hope that Yours sure in mind this morning. I'm going to pray that I'm going to invite you on this Christmas morning to remember the Lord through communion. Father, we ask you to Bless us as we um, just remember you as inadequate as um, our minds are. We're in a million different places in our minds. But yet, Lord, these, um, my brothers and sisters, took a day when um, there's a lot going on, a lot of good things going on. And they said they wanted to come and sing and they wanted to come and listen and they wanted to come and worship because you're so important because you're our everything there's nothing that we have that's not going to go up in smoke one day there are things that we worry about that will not matter in eternity and I just pray that we try to whittle all that down this morning and realize that if we're in relationship with you that that is as good as it gets and I pray that you would fill our hearts with joy And I pray that you would fill our hearts with love. And I pray that you would fill our hearts with love. And I pray that you would fill our hearts with faith. And I pray that this would be the greatest Christmas ever. Not because of anything that we've received in this world, but because you have received us unto yourself. Bless us now as we remember remember you in Jesus' name.